Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Black Ink Podcast. My name is Jake Kerr, and I'm your host today for this 70th episode. And today, let's touch a little bit on the process, the progress, how far we've come, the stepping stones for Black Ink, right? Because from your point of view, I understand you just see it go from like strength to strength to strength. I keep on seem to be having these like big milestones fairly consistently, not big milestones, but the milestones that you need to, you know, work towards some sort of success or be a part of some sort of progression within business. Right. And I think the hard part about this for me is actualizing those milestones as they happen. And obviously, if you're following my story uh, closely, then you'll know that I've just got myself into Sabotage, which is a clothing boutique here in Bunbury. And this is the first time that Black Ink's ever been available in a store before. And how I feel about that is indifferent. Like, it doesn't really concern me. It doesn't bother me. It was just something that I had to do, and I had to get all my ducks in a row before I could do, right? So for me, it was more a case of like, when I set the goal of making something of Black Ink, however many months ago it was now, or, you know, coming up to about a year, it was something in my mind that it was like subconsciously it went without saying that I would have to get into shops eventually if this was going to be successful. It was one of those things that it was almost a given or a byproduct. If you built a brand that was desired enough or was exclusive enough that people would want uh, to be able to access it more than just online and also creating that tangible experience where people can actually go into a store, try your top on, see how it looks or try on whatever garment it might be be happy with it, make the purchase and keep on moving, it was always going to happen. But the thing about, and like, I actually just realized this as I said it out loud, but I think there's a mix between like it actually happening, like the moment that you build up in your own mind, what that moment is going to be versus what it actually is when it happens. And then also taking into account that if you like actively set goals and you make like real fucking legible steps between where you are and where you want to be or where your goal is and you follow those steps then when you achieve your goal as good as it feels you also go like well i deserve this because i did everything i had to do to get here you know and so also i think a part of like really effective goal setting is the ability to imagine what you're trying to achieve imagining it to be real already and understanding what the feeling is. So therefore it doesn't feel so alien trying to achieve it. You know, if I say that I want to be a fucking a female with a million dollars in a year's time, it's really hard for me to imagine that because I can't, I I can't see a tangible path between me becoming a female or having being a female and having a million dollars as well. But it becomes a whole lot more accessible in my mind. If I, you know, visualize that beforehand and use that as kind of like my, Uh, what would you call it, my, uh, you know, the crosshairs that I'm working towards. And obviously it was a super weird fucking example and I thought of it off the top of my head. I don't know why I went there. But part of this getting into a shop step of my whole fucking journey, I've really like had this opportunity to step back from it and kind of actualize what it is and understand what it means to me as a person. And then also using that information, better understand what it is achieving these milestones or making these small steps in the right direction. So One thing that I noticed is I had a whole lot of people reach out to me and congratulate me for getting into a store. And for me, I was like, you know, that's, it's super cool. Um, Like, obviously, if you're one of those people, thank you. But from my point of view, it was, it was kind of like a, I think I get more like, obviously, when, when we have this conversation, we'll, we'll compare the praise that I get from outside people and the praise that I give myself for getting things done, right? So we'll call that external versus internal praise. 
And I like to uh, responsibly give myself internal praise as often as possible. I try to celebrate the really small wins because I know that I have heaps more small wins than I do big wins. And if I focus on the small wins, if I just keep that at a macro level where I go, right, I did this two hour job in incredibly well. I did it to the best of my ability. I thought I could only achieve this. I got 20% more, whatever it might be. But for the past two hours, I put all my attention into this project and I've got a really successful outcome. So that's the sort of thing that I'll reward myself with. Like right now you can go and have like a half an hour of free time. You can go water the plants. You can go spend time with Louie or maybe you can go have a sleep in the afternoon, whatever it might be. But then when these big wins come along and it's like, right now my stuff is in shops. I feel like this, the like congratulations that I give myself for that big win was actually broken down into a hundred small like congratulations along the way. You know, so as I spoke very, very uh, in detail about in my previous podcast just recently, the process of getting my shop, my, my stuff into shops was actually broken down into a bunch of these small jobs that were spread out over about a week. And I think to me, the thing that I celebrated the most was getting the yes from sabotage that my stuff could be held in store. So I went home, I celebrated, I told you know my close circle, I'm like, here's what I've here's the news that I've got, here's the the kind of process that I'm gonna put in place to make it happen, and I should be in shops in about a week's time. And that's when I was really fucking excited. But then when we compare that to that external, like kind of uh, what would you call it? Not gratification, but like um, when people are agreeing that you have achieved something, that you've got a tangible result, that they're going, I can understand what this result is. And in turn, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, you know, good on you for achieving this because I understand that you've achieved something within your business that is a milestone. And I think when people were saying congratulations to me, which just footnote, by the way, it didn't really feel real. It didn't actually feel like I was inside of a shop until I had one of my really close friends share the post that I put up saying that I was in the shop. And I realized like seeing his name at the top of the screen then seeing my post that he shared and then seeing his comment underneath saying like, you know, stoked to see my fucking, my boy in the shop, whatever it was. Then I realized like, oh shit, like black ink being in shops turned from just words into something that had meaning and was like a, it was like a, this person isn't saying thank, isn't saying congratulations to me. He's saying congratulations to me in front of an audience. He's saying, look, this is what my friend did, rah, 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 rah. And that's when it kind of became real. Now, even with that said, even with him saying congratulations and a whole bunch of friends and a whole bunch of customers, a whole bunch of people in general, just saying, Hey, this is awesome step in the right direction. Everyone's commenting on my post and all the rest for me, like Personally, this was like, and I mean this in the most respectful, considerate way, but this was just positive noise. This was something in my mind that I was like, right, this is a very safe indication to potential future customers that not only am I in shops, but a lot of people think that I deserve it. This isn't just a case of me being friends with the person who owns a shop in town and like rubbing elbows with them and saying, hey, do you mind if I chuck some of my shit in here? This was... Uh, confirmation from people who already believe in black ink that I deserve to be there based on whether it's my quality, whether it's my brand, whatever it might be, everything that they know to be black ink, they say this is deserving to go into this position and therefore good on you for achieving this. But the actual celebration element of it came to me when 
I got the yes. It came to me when I realized I had to come up with this solution to my to my stock problem. It came to me when I figured out a solution where I had to come up with a, a swing tag. I had to design it from scratch and I had to go through the process of getting this thing created and you know sampling it, not being happy with the first product and going back to the drawing board and trying again and then being able to like, oh fuck yeah, I got this organized. And then furthermore, being able to do a run where we just printed, you know, 30 something t-shirts in six hours and not one of them was wrong. Every single one had a quality print on whatever side it was. The print itself was great. The positioning was great. And then behind the scenes of that, where the pack up and the setup, everything went to plan. I didn't cause any damage to plant and equipment. So those to me were the times where I was going to bed that night feeling like I had achieved something, feeling like black ink was starting to turn into and turn into the thing that I can see to my mind being in the future. So I think walking away from this whole like i guess experience you know it's it's wednesday at the moment and this all happened you know i dropped the stuff off on sunday afternoon it was for sale in the shop on hangers on monday morning and the first product sold in store monday afternoon okay so tuesday morning i put my post up on instagram saying like oh you know i'm in sabotage here's a bunch of pictures and rah, 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 and everyone responds to that and obviously like Yesterday was a really enriching day as far as people reaching out to me and saying like, hey, notice you did this thing. That's really cool. Good on you. And I thought about this. I, I took it away and I was like, okay, well, let's go back a year, right? And let's, let's because being very honest and realistic, I never thought Black Ink was going to be in a shop within a year. My only goal that I set that was serious was I wanted to create 1,000 black ink garments and have them sold in the first 12 months of operation because I knew even if I only made a dollar on each of those garments, it meant that there would be 1,000 garments out there on backs, people wearing them, other people experiencing them, and it's only going to be good for the business. It's like a, the Red Bull business model. Spend more money on marketing at the start and then worry about the product later on. Anyway, so when I compare that that was my goal, and this is the result that I achieved within the first 12 months. The fact that I'm like in the boutiques of boutiques when it comes to Bunbury clothing. I have a great relationship with the person who owns the place in that they welcome me in when I suggested the idea. I didn't have to sell the idea. They're like, fuck an oath, bring it in. Let's get it done. I want to see it on the shelf. I want to see how it performs. Rah, rah, rah. So when I consider like, hey, if I went back 12 months and said, hey, Jake, I want you to know this in the next 12 months, you're going to achieve X, Y, and Z. And Z is getting your shit into a shop and people fucking buying it, okay? If I imagine what that moment would appear to be in my imagination back then, okay? So let's reword that because that sounded a bit busy. If I take myself a year ago and I imagine what that moment would have felt like, me thinking forward into the future, like within 12 months time, there's gonna be a day that comes that I'm gonna wake up in that morning and my stuff for the first time ever is gonna be in a shop. And on that day, someone is gonna walk into that shop and buy a t-shirt. They're gonna agree with this idea that I have in my mind that black ink is great. And they're gonna confirm that idea by handing over that money to that shop clerk. And that shop clerk is gonna in return, hand them a black ink t-shirt and that's gonna be the transaction. That moment in my imagination would feel magical, right? That moment would feel like everything changed from there. Like this is the first indication that outside of me having an online store, that this thing fucking works, that this has got legs, that it holds water, that the future looks bright for it. But in reality, that moment never came around. In reality, that moment was fragmented into a million pieces, blown into the atmosphere, and now I'm just trying to fucking 
grab bits and pieces as I go along, every moment leading up to the moment, right? So I still get a little bit of like satisfaction and gratification and joy for these little wins that I have along the way. But the reality is that moment that I'm talking about isn't some beautiful, big, you know, multicolored thing that like everything changes after that moment. It was just another day. It was just another minute. You know, it was just another hour in my life. The fact, like the fact that black ink had changed a little was just that. It was a fact. And I think the cool part about this is, I mean, this is one of those things that I'm telling you from the inside. I want you to know the experience that I'm having now, which footnote, just so you know, I 100% understand that right now I'm in the golden years. I'm in the best years of my life. While black ink is growing and I have not a single dollar to my name, I know that I'm going to look back at this moment and be like, wow, dude, you were just busy living. You didn't have time for shit because you were busy doing you, right? So when I consider that these moments are meant to come along, these moments that we imagine for ourselves in the future, like maybe the day that I finally reach over that million dollar mark, or maybe the day that I do sell my thousandth, my thousandth garment, or maybe the day that I create the matching tracksuit, or you know, all these things in my mind that I've built up to a certain, that I've put on a pedestal of things that I want to achieve in the future. I have to be reasonable and responsible and understanding that when those moments come to not be let down, that they weren't this magnificent mountainous experience. And instead, they were just another moment in my life. And when I think about this, I can't help but translate this or, or, or relate it to that feeling that I feel like our generation grows up looking forward to having these beautiful events in their life, such as owning a house, such as having a wedding, right? Such as, you know, I think having a, having a child actually is that feeling. I think that whole expectation of these grand voice moments where we, you know, our life does change and we fucking start to see things in color rather than black and white. I think that is actually reserved for having a child. I think that's reserved for the, for the moment before you die, you know? But in reality, these other things that we build up, like getting married, the reality is you're just having another day in your life. You're just having a day in your life where you're wearing clothes that you wouldn't normally wear. So you're probably going to be uncomfortable in an environment that is totally fucking alien and eating food that you would not normally eat, right? The only consistency is you're with the person that you share all of your time with and hopefully you're in front of your friends and your family. That is the only thing that is comfortable in that whole situation. Some person that you never met is going to stand behind you while you read your vows out to the person that you love. And then they're going to say, I now pronounce you officially fucking who cares, right? Few questions. Who the fuck is this guy? Dude, who the fuck is that guy? You've got this big, beautiful moment that you've planned your whole life. And now you've got some dude you don't even know declaring that your love is real. Now for tax reasons, you're a married couple. Dude, I don't think fuck all changes on your wedding. Just the same way as fuck all changed for me yesterday. The only thing that I took away from yesterday is now that I'm in one shop, how do I get into two shops? Okay. I think that we put so much weight on these moments that we build them up so much that we get the fucking carpet pulled from underneath us when nothing happens. When we wake up the next day and we feel exactly the same, you know, it's kind of like I give myself, as I say, I give myself more kind of kudos and a more uh, you know heavier pat on the back when I have these small wins when I just achieve the list of things that I wrote that I wanted to get done yesterday when I got that thing all those things done I was like you know what fucking go you but the reality was about yesterday I slept in bed for four hours in the afternoon because I've been working so fucking hard getting this shit into shops lately that I actually needed it but 
let's talk about yesterday because yesterday again it was like a I think I had I had a bigger step forward yesterday in my business um, that wasn't getting into shop. So yesterday was a bit of a training session. So as you know, I bought myself a screen print, I got myself a heat press, I brought all of my, or as much of my production in-house. I'm trying to understand the whole process, I'm trying to control the whole process, so essentially, I can deliver the best possible value to the customer, right? So a part of screen printing, obviously, once you have your screen set up and you have your shirt and you put it all together, you can put prints on it. But before you do any of that, you need to get your screen set up. Now, if you don't know, I may have, nah, I'm not going to use props for this explanation, you're just going to keep up with me. So. If you can imagine, the screen that has the actual design in it is a wooden frame and has silk screen stretched over and attached with either staples, oops, staples or glue. Then what happens is that screen is perfectly clean. You will apply a heat sensitive emulsion, which if you don't know what emulsion is, it's a sense, it's essentially just like a paint, right? So you paint on, and I sorry, I said heat sensitive, it's light sensitive. So you paint on this stuff on your screen, on the front and on the back. Then what you're doing, you do this in a dark room with a safe light, which is basically just a light that doesn't emit any UV, okay? Because it's actually the UV that sets off the emulsion, right? So you're in this dark room, you've got a red light on, and if you follow my Instagram, you would have seen a story yesterday of me setting a, a, a screen, right? So you've got your red light on, you paint this thing, then you let it set for about half an hour in a, in a hot environment, still in the dark, which means you're basically just cooking that emulsion onto the screen so it doesn't go anywhere. You're turning it from a liquid into a solid. So then what you do, you've got your screen sitting perfectly flat. You have a big light that emits as much UV as possible. It's probably not as much UV as possible, but it's one of those dealios where you can't do it with like a fucking pissy little fluoro. You need a light that puts out light, right? Then what you do is you get a negative of your design, which is essentially your design uh, printed out in black on a piece of transparent plastic, right? Then what you do is you apply that transparent plastic with your design on top of the screen. Okay, and it needs to be in absolutely perfect position. It cannot move in the slightest. It has to be perfect, right? Because however this is set right now is actually how this is gonna turn out and that's how your prints are gonna turn out. So what you do then is then for whatever the set time is, for us yesterday it was 11 minutes, you turn your light on and you get out of the room, right? So now the room has gone from dark to light. You're exposing this emulsion with the design on top to light, which basically burns a hole into the screen. Now this doesn't mean like an actual whole hole. It means like a, a bunch of small holes in the emulsion so that when you when this setting is all done after the 11 minutes and you peel off your, your negative design, which is the piece of plastic, you're left essentially with what seems to be just emulsion with only the area of your design missing, right? So then we get a hose, we wash that off, we wash all the little bits and pieces of the emulsion that are still stuck on there. And then you're left essentially with a screen that has a design in it. Okay, so this is something that uh, when I bought the screen printer, the the people who sold me the screen printer are like 100% like, yep, fucking oath. We've got like we've got we're we're going to sell the we're going to sell you the entire package. We'll give you screens. We'll give you the the inks. We'll give you obviously the printer. We'll give you all the tools. We'll give you all the you know rah rah rah. But they weren't. But they said on the agreement that we're going to continue to develop your screens for you. And I was like, it, it wasn't necessarily an agreement. It was just like a, you know, we're not going to give you the the light, ha the the darkroom stuff because essentially that's like we use that for other parts of our business, so we still need that. But we will teach you, 100% teach you how to do it. And if you want to set up one at your place, 100% go for it. And obviously, when you're in the process, 
of buying a screen printer. It's like, dude, give me the bare fucking minimum information. I mean, at the time, I was kind of probably too confident with what I could achieve with a screen print. I didn't quite understand how many moving parts and how much information you would have to learn and download and understand before you can successfully just pump out as many prints as you want of whatever design you want. So... I kind of just said, look, tell me what I need to know to get day one done, you know? Tell me what I need to know to set this up, to get, you know, rah, 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 rah. And I mean, at that stage, I had done a, a practice run at their location and then brought the screen printer home in four different parts, had to assemble it, build a workspace, do everything, get my stock. Obviously, I got my screens set by them, so bring my screens home and then just basically go for it. And at that stage, there's no way I had the bandwidth to take on the like establishing process of like building a room, getting the necessary, you know, getting the safe light, getting the UV light, getting, you know, buying myself some emulsion, getting some paintbrushes, getting the uh, applicator and all of this. So basically I just said, look, I'll do the screen printing. You do the setting. I like this idea. Let's move forward from that. So moving forward from that, we're now just simply two months down the track and I've probably got about, I don't know, between 70 and hundred shirts printed um, I don't, I don't know how else, what other metrics would help. Yeah. So, so, so I've done a fair amount of prints. It's been a fair amount of time and I've now developed systems and processes that I use when I do the printing process so much so that I'm comfortable with it. You know, like I'd be very comfortable listening to a podcast and doing this at the same time because I kind of feel like while this isn't quite embedded into my like memory and, and muscle memory, at the same time, I've gone through the process enough times to know what order to do everything in. I know what indicators to look out for. I understand what is... um you know what I mean? Like what is an early sign of something going wrong and how to mitigate that, how to fix it or whether it's unfixable. I know all these things enough that I'm actually comfortable taking on more information on the topic, right? So I went back and I said, look, I've got this one screen that I need to set, but what I want to do is when we set this screen, I want you to teach me so that I can go home, build my own dark room and I can set my own stuff at home. And they're like, fucking oath. Because as is everyone at the moment, they're flat out. And they said, look, we can do your screen, but we're not going to start it for a week and it's not going to be done for a week and a half. So this is great. Honestly, if you want to set your own screens, this is great. And even at the start, they weren't against me setting my own screens. I think they knew that I was taking a big bite and they didn't need to add on even more shit at the end of that. So they're like, look, take away what you've got, figure that out, come back. And then, you know, as you need screens, we'll do it. And look, with that said, they set me up with one, two, three, four, five, six screens. Oh, dude, I fucking washed my hair and all the water's dripping onto my shirt. But yeah, they set me up with six screens from the get-go. So it's not like they didn't give me the best possible start they possibly could. So I was like, cool, cool. We've come to that day and I'm actually now at the point where I'm doing someone else's, uh, like someone else's screen printing. So this screen that I'm getting set up is actually a client screen. So I thought, well, what better opportunity than to basically take that opportunity of seeing the whole process, understanding what it is, learning what it is, and then being able to apply it at my place so that I can build a dark room and I can do all these things. So yesterday was that day. And it's interesting because I mean, like to, to, to give you like, I'm sure you know this, but let me give you a point of view. So you might have a job where you go and do training once a year or you do training once every six months or maybe they pay you to go and get tickets so you go and get your forklift ticket or you go and get this or you go and get that. Uh, sometimes when you are employed by someone and they put you on a training day, it's easy to go like, oh, you know, this is just a fuck around day and we've got to, 
I've got to go there and do the paperwork and I've got to be on time and I've got to pack smoke on and do all the rest. When you work for yourself, right, and it's training in a particular skill, there is no fucking around, right? Breaking down what is, what is actually going on, your customer in every product that they purchase is paying you to pay attention when you do your training. So if I'm serious when I say to my customer that everything that I do is to add as much value as possible to the product that I sell you, it is within that that I take this training, not only seriously, but if it's life and fucking death, this is all I do. Black ink is my concern and nobody else's, right? So doing this training session, like, it's an understatement to say that I put pressure on myself, not because I didn't think that I couldn't understand it, not because I didn't think that who was teaching me wouldn't give me a good uh, training session or good information or wouldn't be on my side or any of that. But the simple fact is that like, this is almost a bigger moment than getting my shit into shops. And now that I'm coming away retrospectively, it fucking is. Now I'm controlling the first third of the whole printing process so much so, this is where it gets exciting, right? This is where it's really exciting. So with one more piece of equipment, once I've established my darkroom and all the rest, from idea to designing it on the computer, to printing it out and having that negative, to going into my darkroom and having that negative set onto a screen using my red light and my exposure and my emulsion and all the rest. I can then take that screen out of my shed into my house. I can apply that screen to the screen printer. I can load a shirt on. I can pull a, shirt, pull a print through it. And then I have got that from idea to t-shirt in one day in one location. So what this means, and obviously the majority of, of, of money made in a business that is structured in mine is made from getting one design and printing it as many times as possible. So you're not wasting time with pack up and set up and you're not having to reintroduce these new products to old customers and all the rest. But that's the fucking exciting part of Black Ink. I mean, obviously I'm trying to make money and I'm trying to stay alive, but I'm trying to make new captivating products that I love and that the customer can love because of that. And I feel like this is a, such a step in the right direction because now I don't have, like if I've got an idea, I don't just design it and call up and go, hey, can you guys turn this screen, turn this into a screen for me? And they're like, uh, yeah, but it, look, we're busy this week. Can you come in on Friday? Drop off a screen on Friday. We'll have it done by maybe next Thursday. And you're like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. So you get on there on Friday. You walk in there. You got about 70% of the energy that you had when you called a few days ago. You give them your screen. You're like, yeah, I'll see you next week. By the time they call you next week, you've got a weekend and 50 other jobs that you've just had to sort through. And and now you're not as excited as you were about that design. And now it's harder to be excited about printing it, producing it, marketing it, and selling it, right? So what this does is this gives more control and also more creative freedom to Black Ink as a business. This allows ideas to be propagated in such a way that the speed of it allows us to be excited about things and use that excitement as part of our marketing, as part of our delivery. So yesterday to me, was I was as nervous at the start of it as I was excited at the end of it because I knew that that was a step in the right direction. I knew that was a really pivotal moment for Black Ink that we were gaining more control in our own process. It's funny how I always um, talk about Black Ink in the third person and when I do, I always use it as a plural, we, us, when realistically, I mean, while Larissa helps me tremendously both emotionally, financially and physically when it comes to printing, this is you know, 95% a Jake Kerr operation. But at the same time, I'm probably saying us because of the multiple personalities it takes to run a business. So fucking oath, support us as much as you can. But the point that I'm making is when we compare getting into a shop 
with learning how to set things on silk screens using uh, light sensitive emulsion, it's really easy for people to see that first example as a kind of um, indicator of success. Whereas, you know, I try and say to someone like, oh, you're not going to believe what I learned how to do yesterday. Uh, you know, it means this, this and this for the business. It's it's kind of hard to like get excited about that and go like, oh, oh, well, that's good. You know, good for you. You know, it's almost like when I bought a screen printer, I had more people asking me if I could do their printing than I did have people saying like, congratulations for taking control of the production of your own equipment, oh, sorry, of your own product. So, I mean, it's funny. I was talking to my Nana about this the other day and she goes, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's good to hear that you're in, you know, and I'm talking slowly as if, you know, because she's old, she talks slow, but it's true. I love her a bit. You know, I send her letters all the time, but she, she, she does talk slow and that's all good. <coughs> but yeah, she goes, you know, it's good to see, you know, it's nice that you're in shops and people will be able to buy it. Congratulations and all the rest. And I kind of had this breakdown of like, oh, Nana, but like you appreciate that probably that the cooler parts of my business isn't getting into shops. I mean, that's a byproduct of the cool things, you know? And like, I'm not, I'm obviously not trying to take away any praise that she's given me and I'm not trying to burst any bubble that she thinks I'm writing. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I'm in shops and yeah, that's, but, but like you're, you're in the inner circle. You intimately know my business. And like, I would like to think that you would be happier that I can afford my rent every week because of my business rather than focusing on this like outside indicator that like right now you're in a shop. I mean, financially speaking, my stuff selling in a shop literally does fractionally as good as what it does selling it online because I still have to pay that shop essentially to sell my shirt. And while it's not in an upfront, like I don't go into the shop and pay her money, it's like a portion of each sale, the shop has to keep, regardless of who the shop is or regardless whatever, they keep a portion of it for simply having it hung on their shelves and doing the, the, the blood, sweat and tears of selling it to the customer that walks in the door. So financially speaking, I'm not doing you know, leaps and bounds better by having it in a shop. Sure, I get it in a store. I get it alongside other products that have developed their brand trust and therefore brings my brand trust up to their level. But at the same time, I still make more money selling more of it online. But as, and as I say, like, let me just double down on saying that like, I'm just outlining the fact that the financial side of it, I'm better off selling online than I am a store, but I am still beyond excited and thankful and, and, and grateful for the fact that I'm in a, in a store, you know? But yeah, it's just interesting having these moments. And I, I think for the longest time as well, I've always had that thing of like, so everyone seems to be looking forward to getting married, you know? Sorry to track back to this. And I think one of my earlier podcasts, I kind of went super deep on this, but it's something that like, now that I'm having these moments of uh, reaching milestones and reaching these goals that I'm setting out for myself, I find it interesting when I compare my goals to the common goal, you know, like the common goal is like, get married, own a house, have a kid, you know, like find love, get married, have a kid, buy a house, probably, it's probably more likely find love, buy a house, get married, have a kid. I think that's how it's meant to go. Right, as far as like logistically making sense. I mean, fucking couples these days just do it all back to front. They meet someone on Tinder, they get pregnant a week later, they go and get married, and then they go and get like a fucking one of those houses that you can buy with like twenty dollars down payment, and it's like a fifty-four year fucking loan for eight hundred thousand dollars, you know. But it's cheaper than renting, so you may as well do it. But when I compare my goals to the common goal, to the average goal, 
And then I think about like, obviously when, when, when you're thinking about goals, you think about all the steps it takes to get there. You're thinking about the process. You're thinking about what it's going to be like when you get there. You're going to think about what happens after the goal. And if that is the goal, what comes next? And I think the truth is like a lot of people just aren't achieving enough goals to appreciate that that shit isn't that impressive. You know, I think also on top of that, people dress up what their goals look like when in reality, when they achieve those goals, given the elements and the circumstances they have, it's never going to live up to that aesthetic kind of height that you pictured it being in your mind. And the example for this is like, you know, I'm speaking out of tone here because I'm, I'm a male, but I think a lot of females have this idea about what marriage is going to be. They have this idea about what their wedding day is going to be. They have this idea about the dress they're going to wear and the beautiful gardens that they're going to get married in and the and the picturesque man that they're going to get married to and his washboard abs and, and they're fucking how their family's going to look and everyone's going to be happy and the food's, food's going to be delicious and the wine's going to be just perfect and all the rest. And in reality, you get married to a fucking thumb, you know, somewhere in Bunbury, the food is all right. And the family that you're thinking of, like, you forget that you both come from broken families and that it's just like random people sitting around who are kind of related to and kind of not related to you. And then on top of all that, like, do women not realize, like, basically every woman cries at her wedding thinking that it's like coming to the realization that it's not what they thought it was going to be? Like, dude, I don't think I've ever seen like any situation where a wedding wasn't just a total fucking nightmare for not only the people getting married, but for every other cunt that gets dragged along to it. It's like, man, can't we just like have a party used to get up in front of everyone and say, you know what? We're into banging each other and we're going to do it for the rest of time. Here we go, you know? But instead, we got to adhere to these weird rules and uh, standards of fucking celebration that have been around for God knows how long, for God knows what fucking reason. And we just still keep marching forward into the future, not questioning it, going like, I'm going to get married one day and I'm going to, it's going to be beautiful and I'm going to wear a white dress. And it's like, fucking cool, man. Cool. Okay, great. When it turns into a disaster and the next day you're the same person as you were the day before, don't get upset with everyone. Don't get upset with life. Just realize that the same way that you see that day is like the same way how you see all of life. You think you're going to get old and retire and sit back and relax? Dude, you're probably never going to retire, right? You think one day you're going to have a job that you enjoy doing with a boss who you get along with and pays you a decent wage and all the rest? Bitch, you're going to work in that office forever, all right? Sounds like I'm being really direct and speaking to just one person. I'm not. I'm not. I think just like, you know, I'm reading this book at the moment that's outlining how it's funny because it was written in 2019 or 2018 or something. And it outlines how like the majority of the wealth is held by fucking 200 and something people in the world. And then the rest of the people have the rest of the wealth, you know? So it's like, I don't know the exact numbers. and I'm definitely going to get this wrong, but it's like, you know, 50% of the, the world's wealth belongs to these 200 people. And then the other 50% of the world's wealth belongs to everyone else, you know? And then people... People don't like to admit that they're the everyone else. Like I'm the everyone else. I'm firmly in the everyone else category. So much so like literally to my name, as this is recording, I might have a hundred dollars. And that's like, I'm like, dude, that's my fucking, I'm being honest. You know, like I got a Harley in the shed. I got a car that I own. I've got a couple nice things. I've got a nice rental house that we, that we rent, but I don't have any fucking money. So it's stupid for me to think that I'm not in the rat race, that I'm not in the middle class, right? So 
when I consider, I look at, you know, I look at people that are my age that are living well beyond their means. They're trying to look so fucking rich. And it just makes me wonder, like, what do you, what, like, do you, do you honestly believe that you're living outside of the reality that you are middle class? You're trying to embody, you're trying to impress other people that are in the middle class that have the same amount of money as you by showing that you can spend more of the money that you have in your life on shit that's overpriced that you don't need that is unessential. I mean, we all know that flossing is the act of wearing something that is unessential in your, in your life, but you have it. Yes, I'm wearing a Tommy Hill finger top that cost me $120 when I know that t-shirts should only cost X. You know what I mean? I Yes, I'm wearing this fucking $3,000 watch when I pulled up in a $4,000 car, you know, that's saying to someone like, I'm not scared to spend money that I don't have. And see, the thing is flossing has gone from, by the way, if you can't hear what I'm saying, I'm saying flossing, right? When you floss on someone, when you're flexing on them, when you, you know, you're acting all how you're going around them sort of thing. Like flossing has gone from, I've got a million dollars. So I spend 50 grand on a watch to I've got 650 bucks in my account, but I'm wearing two and a half grand's worth of clothes. Makes me wonder, like, do you not think that those 200 and something people are doing something to society in a way that makes you believe that either by participating in this game that you're playing or by buying these things or by having this mentality of that you're better than the other middle class is only going to benefit them in the long run. It's as if they're the ones who are selling these $3,000 watches and Tommy Hilfiger t-shirts. So do you think that you're smarter than the fucking intelligence that builds empires that are worth millions, billions and trillions of dollars so much so that you're going to rub it in the face of other people in the middle class by wearing these outlandish fucking possessions. It's interesting. Makes me wonder. I've gone a whole year giving every single one of the dollars that I have to my name to my business to not buying any single cup of coffee that wasn't necessary. I haven't had a new pair of shoes that I bought myself in over two years. I haven't had a new fucking t-shirt that didn't have black ink on it in over two years. I'm so committed to this shit that one of the greatest things that I've realized in this whole journey is that you actually don't need money to live. You actually don't need probably 90% of the possessions that you have to live. What you really need is to understand yourself, to start thinking about things like what are moments? What are the things that I'm looking forward to? What does it feel like when I achieve it? And what do I want after the fact? Instead of worrying about some bullshit watch or some bullshit pair of shoes that you've got to go, got to go and get to impress some other fuckwit in the middle class who's the opposite sex, who then you're going to build some sort of weird, demented relationship with because both of you come from broken families and have no idea what it means to be a good man or a good woman, and then build this weird kind of kingdom around this idea that you do have money and you do have wealth, but you're just part of like a generational fucking... Uh, uh, downfall of capitalism realistically just giving your money to these 200 and something people in whichever way they can possibly get it off you just makes me think you know i know it sounds like i'm being real negative but i'm not i think one of the parts of like i mean like something that i tie into having a business is like being as educated as i possibly can in any aspect of the business that might be beneficial so at the moment, like I'm reading a book about super powerful AI and how it helps uh, particular businesses build themselves in a way that kind of makes them like it makes them irreplaceable and undamageable. It's like the, 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 the reality of AI at the moment is that you can have so much data and have it 
kind of manipulated in such a way that you can tell people what they want to buy before they have the desire to buy it. And furthermore, you can create systems so that that product is ready to purchase as soon as you tell them and they can have it really quickly after the fact. So when I, so when you consider that like that is the, that's the case of like this one particular thing that I'm reading about, you can go like, well, we're fucked. Okay, we're fucked because we have to communicate and most of the communication nowadays is done on the internet. Every time I communicate on the on the internet, my data is being collected and stored in a particular sort of way and that data can be sold to companies and corporations that can then, uh, what do you call it, manipulate that information so that the thing that I want next is gonna be put right in front of my nose. So therefore, I've gotta stop participating in the system. I don't wanna be online, I don't wanna be communicating. That's the negative way of looking at it, right? The positive way of looking at it is like, if you want to go to the other end of the spectrum, I guess it's going like, it's great. I don't have to think anymore. Before I even want a sandwich, I've got a sandwich being delivered to me. Before I even haven't think about how much it's going to cost, the money's been taken out of my account. And before I've even worried about the tummy pains that it's going to give me, I've already fucking eaten it, right? Let's just shift a little bit back away from that side of the, the, that, that side of the scale, right? Let's come just a little bit further back. The way I see that is, if that AI is available for these corporations, then that AI is available for my business, right? And I know what you're thinking like, oh, so you're going to use this so that you can propel yourself forward and get the things that you want in this life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will use any tool within my reach. I will use any piece of information. I will use any body that can possibly help me, obviously making sure that they're still getting something out of the transaction to help me do better and propel myself forward, right? Because I give myself the permission to do that. You can give yourself the permission to do that as well. A lot of people have this thing where they go like, oh, you know, I could never be in the, I could never be a salesman or in the game of selling things because I don't like taking money off people. Then stay poor. Stay doing what you're doing. Stay complaining about the people that you work with. Stay complaining about being in a tax bracket that you don't appreciate. You've said to yourself that you don't want it. So you're not allowed to have it. Therefore, you shouldn't be complaining about not fucking having it, right? So going back to my example before about buying all the shit that you don't need, like I get how that kind of seems like I'm being negative, but you have to understand that you can just appreciate, you can just know that that's happening and then you can start to make steps in the right direction for you personally to not be a part of that. Or maybe you can even see what's going on and take advantage of it. Maybe you can start a business selling $60 t-shirts because you know there's an ocean of people out there that are looking for $60 t-shirts. That's as simple as it is. You can start to make moments in your life that are actually worth looking forward to, that actually fulfill you in a way that you didn't think was possible because you paid attention to the data. You educated yourself in a way that meant you could make these decisions and they were the right decisions and they could make actual real changes in your life. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself applying emulsion to a silk screen in a dark room, getting a fucking erection because you're so excited about what you did for yourself, what you did for your business, what this means for the future. You're actually standing on the stepping stone that you need to take to propel yourself forward. How exciting is that? Man, it's so easy at the moment with like the metaverse, with the fucking, 
I mean, the fact that I, I, I can't even say what I'm about to say because YouTube will pick it up and just fucking make sure no one ever watches my video. But like things that are happening in the world, political fucking conversations that could result in us having all of our families and shit destroyed. Like it's, I mean, the whole fucking thing that's going on in the world at the moment, we all know what it is. Like there's every reason to be upset about what's going on. But I think it's really important to understand that as humans, there are three consistents in this life. Death taxes and change things are going to consistently change things are going to consistently get more efficient they're going to take more and more effort away from humans and if somehow you can find in the scramble of everything that's going on something that benefits you and maybe even something that gets you from being in the 50 percent fucking middle class bullshit and propagate you up to one of those 200 people then is it it is your right as a human to do everything you can to get there how fun is that Dude, the choices keep being you or be the best possible version of yourself you can be. Dude, I'm going to choose the best possible version every fucking time. And with that, motherfuckers, I'm out. Be good to your mum. Yeah!